guys, so I got my friend here, uh, Alex Whetstone. I hope I said that correctly, Alex. Um, but we uh, met at North Carolina Football Club. We worked together as game day staff uh, people. And so I met Alex and just requested for him to be on my show uh, because he does uh, get involved with youth soccer. Um, so let's uh, just introduce him to the show. Uh, what's up, Alex? How you doing, man? Hey, man, doing well. And uh, yes, you pronounced my name correctly. So yes. uh, well done there. And uh, yeah, thanks for having me on here. I appreciate it, man. Now, how old are you? I am 22. 22. See, I, I knew you were in college not too long ago. Um, as a matter of fact, where did you go to college? Uh, I went to Barton College in Wilson, North Carolina. It's a Division two school. Dude, that's awesome. Now, what position? You played there, didn't you? I did, yes. I played four years of college soccer, and I played center mid, mostly as a holding mid. Dude, that's amazing. I uh, When I played soccer at Bob Jones University, I was kind of more of like a util, utility player. I basically yeah. played everywhere. I played center back. Uh, I played a little bit of actually center mid for a little bit. Played forward, but I, I think I would prefer just crafting, you know, one position. Um and I, I really like playing center mid. That's kind of the position I play on my, uh, my I guess, rec team with the guys at Tassel. Right. Um, but anyway, what, what got you interested in soccer, first of all? Um, so I started playing soccer when I was about four years old. Um, my parents introduced me to it, and uh, along with a lot of other sports at the time. So really latched on to soccer when I was about four or five years old. Uh, played rec. Um, with uh, FVAA and Fuquay Verena from the ages of, you know, five, six years old until I was 10 and then uh, hit 10 years old and uh, a coach at the time who uh, uh, coached a classic team saw me playing and, and uh, wanted me to join. So I jumped from rec to classic and played FVAA classic from 11 to 18 so, nice. yeah, in, in that system for a while and, and loved the organization. And uh, now FEAA, through merger after merger, is now part of NCFC Youth, which is uh, pretty awesome. That's awesome. Now, uh, tell us a little bit uh, what your role there at NCSCY. Uh, is, that, is this a part-time job? Is this full-time? Uh, kind of explain your, what you do for a living right now. Yeah, sure. So uh, I, I am a juniors coach as well as a classic coach with uh, NCFCY um, down in the Holly Springs Fuquay region. So I have one juniors team, which is uh, U9, uh, and then I have a classic team, which is U14. So I'll be coaching both of those teams, uh, technically part-time um, for the fall and the like fall, winter, spring season, and then um, also do private sessions and uh, a little bit of soccer writing on the side. That's awesome. Now, if anybody's listening to this uh, <clears throat> podcast right now, and let's just say I'm a you know six-year-old or a 12-year-old kid who wants to get private lessons, where can <laughs> I go to find you, Alex? Is there an email? Is there a phone number? Where can I go <laughs> yeah. to find you? Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, my email, um, so eawetstone at gmail.com is, is an easy way to get up with me um, or just find me on any form of social media um, just with 
at Alex Whetstone. Um, easy way to get up with me. So <laughs> I like it how you kept it simple, like just look your name because yeah. <laughs> I, I did that for myself. For my Instagram is just Travis Woodham, and I feel like you don't need to have this crazy name. And a lot of times people have a hard time finding a person if they have this obscure name, you know what I mean? Right. <laughs> so yeah, guys, go check out Alex Whetstone. Uh, he does private lessons uh, for soccer athletes. So if you want to get better, Alex is your guy <laughs> for sure. Um, Appreciate now, that. Yeah, man. So uh, let's get a little bit into more of uh, what you do there as a coach. Now, um, what – you know, what got you connected with NCFCY? Was it because you played on the club team? Um, so the the coach that I previously mentioned who uh, brought me on to his classic team when I was playing rec uh, was Adam Striebel. And he's actually the person that I reached out to um, going into my senior year of college to ask about um, working with NCFC youth as an internship to finish my sports management degree and then carried on over um, into the job that I have now. So Adam was a massive influence on me as a, as a player and now will be a big influence on me as a, as a coach as well. So it was nice to see that come full circle. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, that's great, man. Now, how many months or years have you been coaching there at CFCY? <clears throat> So I, I started in February. Um, so my spring semester of my senior year, I did um, an internship uh, with the Holly Springs Fuquay region and I was a staff coach. So I was basically an assistant for all the teams and all the coaches in the little region. Um, and was doing that from February until um, the season ended uh, couple weeks ago and now I've got my own teams that I'll take over so it's been about uh it's almost six months now nice now are you yeah. liking it so far are you, you really, is it something you expected or a little bit more or less uh yeah I think my my time um in the six months I've been with the program with the organization has uh, really met my expectations in being on the field and coaching um, building rapport with the players uh getting to see kind of how each coach runs their sh their sessions differently and and how they prepare for games um also got to go to a couple tournaments and and be involved with with that process so a, lo a lot of observing and being able to kind of step in and and run sessions now and then and uh yeah. really get you know getting my feet wet and and knowing what uh what the future holds that's awesome now you mentioned that you were you traveled uh and I think you were in Alabama. Was that right? You had a camp down there. Tell us a little bit about that. I did, yeah. So um, the uh, Olympic Development Program, also known as ODP, um, was hosting a region camp for the South Region down in uh, the University of Alabama in Tuscaloosa. So the, the South Region, also known as Region 3 for ODP, is North Carolina, South Carolina, Georgia, Florida, um, North and South Texas and Louisiana. And I feel like I might, I think Tennessee as well. Nice. Um, so it was uh, e each state had one per age group. I've all the way up to 2001 age brackets um, that they sent down there. And uh, it was a lot of 
managing the kids, going from one place to the other, getting them to practices, getting them to uh, games, and um, meeting a lot of different coaches from around the state and uh, learning about the inner workings of ODP, which was which is really interesting because when I was growing up playing, I, I had friends that played ODP, and it was a massive experience for them to um, get seen by potential like national team scouts and yeah. and also college uh, coaches. Yeah, that's big. I mean, if you're yeah. if you're within that type of circle uh, playing soccer, I mean, that's it's a big stage for you. I think as a youth player, it really is for sure. You know? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that's awesome, dude. Now. Uh, what is like, are there some challenges that you're facing right now, uh, as kind of like a new coach into this, it is a brand new system, uh, so to speak because of the merger, but, uh, what are some challenges you face right now as a coach? Um, I think off the field, um, it's a lot of, it's a lot of getting up with parents and being on the same page with uh, game schedules and travel arrangements, you know, off, off the field. Um, just sort of the, uh, you know, the logistics of, of a season, um, which is, you know, something I've got to, I've got to get used to and, and learn, um, have my own team. So it's, it's good to, to get that in early. Um, and then on the field, um, definitely accountability. I think that's a big thing Mm -hmm. that can make or break a coach with the squad of players they have. So if, if you're not able to hold the kids accountable each training session to, you know, what your goals are or what you're trying to teach them and what they need to retain, then they're going to kind of lose, um, what they're learning and, and not get the most value out of each session. And then you really ideally want your players to hold each other accountable yeah. to where you've got your center mid, you know, talking to the center backs or to other players in the field saying, guys, you know, we've, we, you know, that pass wasn't good enough. I'm here for, you know, I was in a better position or, you know, maybe yeah. give, give a better angle or try and pick up your head and and uh and see the spacing a little bit better things that the coach normally would be kind of telling them and letting them know but instead having the players hold each other accountable and say yeah guys you know we we worked at this on practice let's put this into use yeah so and 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 from that too you can really pick out uh the leaders of your of your team the guys mm-hmm. who are actually saying that to their team and say, hey, guys, let's go. Let's, you know, let's impress coach or, you know, that's huge in, in, in a club. I think, you know, as you as a coach, you can only do so much to get direction. Yeah. But it's up to the kids, really, to to have that self-motivation of like, yeah, I'm going to go work hard every day. Yeah. Um, and oh, yeah. I, I think for me, too, I coached a U12 team, uh, boys, uh, this past spring. Uh, at my church at Colonial Baptist. And one of the things that I would always, you know, would, would like to see more of would just be the kids who, you know, come and work hard every day and want to get better. Now, I think one of the challenges for me was <laughs> it was a rec team. So granted, <laughs> granted these kids aren't traveling anywhere, but at the same time, like you don't want your kids wasting your time, so you, you know, therefore right. the kids aren't wasting their time. But at the same time, I feel like there's a good fine balance of the kids having fun 
you know, keeping the game fun, I think, is really important. Uh, but at the same time, make it a profitable where the kids are actually learning. You know, uh, that's kind of one thing I, I noticed just in my very <laughs> small career, you know. Uh, <laughs> would you agree with me on that? Oh, yeah, I definitely agree. I think I think uh, there there's some very, very smart, intelligent coaches um, that have given some great quotes about players who enjoy the game and have fun at practice retain the most information and will continuously come back and want to come back to training sessions and practices because they know they're going to enjoy it but also learn a lot and put in the work because you've got to be able to balance the you know the enjoyment of the game but also them getting the most out of the training session and be able to you know, explain why they're doing something or, um, or how they can make this connection work or just little things that can sometimes get lost if they're not fully focused or paying attention because they're, you know, they're not on task. So it's, it's, yeah, the the balance is huge. Um, and you've got, that's what I saw a lot of is, how each coach like there was five different coaches that i worked with um this past uh season in the spring with ncfc youth and each one had a different way to balance you know the enjoyment and the the work um and they all got different results um just based on how the kids responded the type of kid and type of leaders that you know these coaches had and just the the relationships that were built so it's 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 always really fascinating for me to see (laughs) yeah for sure and uh yeah i feel like it's really important like you said um you know to keep the game fun and make these kids come back you know and come back to practice and want (laughs) to come back to practice and i I think that's one of the that's one of the major factors which we will discuss in a little bit (laughs) exactly you're right alex and you know we're just going to segue right into it really and really the whole i think the big problem is um you see a decline in youth soccer right now which is kind of staggering to me because i get all these vibes really that soccer is growing and and you know kids are playing all the time and me as just being a soccer fan i'm like oh yeah you can get on the hype train but the facts are like literally uh there's a article in New York Times, um, and there's a quote from there that's, that basically it's a study they do um, by the Sports and Fitness Industry Association, and they do this every year, and they've been doing it for about 60 years, I think, or 40 years, something like crazy amount. Um, but according to Sports and Fitness Industry Association, they say over the past three years, the percentage of six to twelve-year-olds playing soccer regularly has dropped nearly fourteen percent to two point three million players. That's kind of crazy, because <laughs> uh, you would think that you know it wouldn't be a fourteen percent drop. I know the U.S. men's national team didn't qualify. I think a little bit has to do with that, but our girls' team, you know, they're they're still on top of their game. Um, oh yeah, but do you think because of U.S. men did not qualify, do you think that had a major role 
in the drop in percentage of kids playing soccer right now in the states? Uh, I I don't believe it. I don't believe it factors in um, as much as as we think. I think that these trends of kids playing soccer dropping over the past couple of years has was kind of was a precursor to the U.S. men's national team. Um, uh, it's also interesting to see that even though the men didn't qualify, the popularity of the sport in terms of just viewing is has not been hurt, um, especially when looking at the past world, this past World Cup in Russia. But oh, yeah. I think that I, I think that there's a couple of different factors. I think a lot of things that are hard to quantify um, about why soccer has been on the decline in terms of participation. I mean, 2.3 million people playing the sport is nothing to, you know, turn your, turn your nose up at. But when you see that it's, you know, down 14%, you never want to see a trend like that with soccer. Um, Right. Uh, yeah, I think that it has to do with uh, um, definitely like that enjoyment and and uh, and coming back to the sport day in and day out um, with practices and training sessions. I think that something that I experienced, which I actually took a year off of soccer when I was my in my junior year of high school, um, I took a year off because because I was just I was just burned out. Um, I mean, I was playing classic soccer as well as middle school and high school soccer for you know f- you know for all through middle school, so three years of that, and then my first two years of high school was just I was either at school or I was at school training after, and then I went straight to you know club practices, and then I had high school games or middle school games and then traveling on the weekends for clubs. So I just, I personally got burned out and taking a year off gave me the perspective to come back and say, okay, you know, I really want to, I think I have the potential to do something with this and I have this opportunity ahead of me. So let me not waste it. Um, but I think that just kids, I think that kids get in over their head early and there a lot of parents see their kids as potential athletes in the future and kind of get them going early with uh, you know a lot of heavy training and a lot of organized play when they're young because they want to you know really pull the best out of their kid. Right. And then, you know, they see people getting college scholarships to play soccer and they kind of want that for them. Or maybe they think their kid can potentially be a professional and it's it's hard. It's I mean, the percentage of kids that actually end up going professional for any sport is is very, very, low. <laughs> is very low. Yeah. Um, so I think that with I, I think that, yeah, just the, the trend of soccer more and more is is just playing organized really young and maybe the kids just don't 
um, want to be in such organized play when they're growing up because, I mean, the things that I learned from just playing pickup with kids that are, you know, two or three years older than me um, after school or whatnot in someone's backyard, I mean, I, I learned a, I learned a lot. You know, I learned a bunch of skills and different different ways to to pass the ball or dribble or or whatnot. And I wasn't in an organized setting, so I think that maybe just taking a step back and and having kids just be out of the coach there or not necessarily with you know referees to um, you know, call fouls or something is just, it's, it's simple, but it can make a big difference on growing that love at a younger age when it's just pure and not so, um, manufactured. Yeah. I like all your, all what you said there, because I I would agree that I think a lot has to do with the pressure of parents on their kids who are, yes. Hey, you know, Johnny, you're four years old, but you need to make that pass better. It's like, <laughs> you need to chill. Like, let the kid have fun. You know, that's that's kind of my yeah. approach where <laughs> when, when they're four, five, six, seven, eight, I mean, even more than, even older, do I dare say? I mean, even professionals, they need to have fun. Okay? Like, professional players, yep. you can see Barcelona all the time. They're always doing different fun games around training. Uh, they're playing, you know, soccer, tennis, or, you know, the foot golf, who knows? Like, they're always doing something to make the game fun. And I think that's really what the coaches need to go back to a root of. Okay, first of all, the kids are here to have fun, number one. Like, this is a game. Remember, it's a game. The kids here want to have fun. Number two, yes, they can learn a lot. But I feel like you need to get these kids back to practice somehow. So, therefore, I think the solution is make your practice fun but yet profitable. And that's, I think that's the biggest challenge or the biggest, you know, yeah, really the biggest challenge for all youth coaches in America right now is to get these kids to first play the game of soccer, have fun with it, but pick and choose when to really direct. And I'm sure you can have some kids who are, you know, like – Pulisic, who started out very young. All, all young stars, you know, are going to be way ahead of the pack anyway. And you can, you can pick out those players like, okay, maybe this kid needs a little bit more of a challenge. You know, maybe his, he needs a better challenge in the skill, whatever drill we're doing. Uh, but then I think that's when it comes into the personal training out. It's like what you can offer uh, on a side, like, you know, having individual training to get these kids who are better to become even better. Yeah. You know? Uh, well, I, th- yeah. I think that uh, in the case of like Christian Pulisic, him, he like he had parents who were athletes. Um, so he grew up in a family that was very sports and athletic uh, oriented. And I think from a young age, he himself, Pulisic, was driven and was very um, intrinsically motivated to say, all right. I love this game of soccer. I'm going to go out and I'm going to make something of it. Just, you know, if no one else supports me or if no one else backs me, I'm still backing myself. Mm -hmm. But then, you know, his family was there to say, oh, yeah, you know, we're with you 100% and we'll do what it takes. So I think that's 
that you know you get those diamonds in the rough a lot um or you get those diamonds in a rough not so often um right. to where they they want to go and achieve it you know on their own um i i had a friend growing up his name's connor donovan and he's now playing with the houston dynamo um oh, really? and i grew up I, yeah i grew up playing uh, uh rec basketball with him at fvaa i played rec soccer with him um from you know a very young age and we were on the same uh classic team and he actually went down to residency camp for the u.s youth national team and worked his way up through the youth national team ranks went to nc state got drafted by orlando city and unfortunately tore his acl the day after making oh, his professional man. debut oh. so ended up down to uh dynamo houston dynamo's uh usl team and recovering there and getting play time and making an impact to where he's now you know with the mls franchise um at the age of 22 um wow. so but he was one of those kids where every time he came to a practice every time um he was at a game you know he he loved the game and he enjoyed you know every aspect of it but he had this fire to him and this drive to where no one was going to stand in his way he didn't care he was going to win every header no matter you know who he was going up against he was going to put in the tackle and he wanted to constantly improve even when he you know the day after a game so that's that's one of those talents to where um you know it's the the aspect of enjoying the game just comes naturally and right and uh but then there's the opposite side of it to where um you've got kids that maybe get thrown into the sport and it's it doesn't quite stick and their parents may push them a little too much and then they kind of retract from from playing and the enjoyment's lost um yeah i know i've watched plenty of documentaries um about that very uh case of just parents wanting to live vicariously through their kids oh, and yes. with with how popular soccer is becoming just as in viewership and as just the world's game you're going to have just a larger number of kids playing and a larger number of parents involved um so that that's kind of i think where the that drop comes from and i personally would love to see um a lot more pitches and a lot more urban feet like yeah street so street soccer courts and just areas to play pickup soccer available so kids can build that love of the game and that pure out there on a pitch with 10 people they'd never met before getting to know them making friends and just playing until it's dark i mean that's something that i think is not part of the soccer culture in the US and i hope that be. that changes because you have that with other sports like basketball i mean you anywhere oh, yeah. you go anywhere. in a in a in an urban city you're you know you're going to have basketball being played in every gym that's open you know right. so that just breeds people playing to play <laughs> right 
Yeah, and I think I think that's huge, you know. Um, and I think that's why you know basketball is one of the most popular sports in the United States because of the culture of where kids grow up playing basketball, shooting the hoops in their driveway. Yeah. You know, it's it's so accessible. But if you really think about it, soccer is actually an even more simple game than basketball. All you need oh, is a for ball. Sure. You literally just need a yeah. ball and the, you know two rocks for your goal. You're all yeah. set, dude. Like you can literally yeah. take the game of soccer anywhere you want to. Yeah. For basketball, think... you actually have to have a rim, but yeah. for soccer you don't. And so I think it makes sense to really go into these urban communities and these inner cities yeah. and to build, you know, a small little, even if it's concrete, no nets. Who cares? Yeah. As long as there's like a post yeah. or something. That's, that's what it's the, like in Brazil, dude. Like I went to Brazil not too long ago. <laughs> exactly. And that's everywhere. There's that's a goalpost. You know, yep. everywhere there's a cage, like there's a yep. swing set and then there's also a soccer cage. Like that's just yeah. goes, that goes hand in hand in Brazil. Exactly. I think that's, that's why what, Brazilians that's what, are so talented. That's what pretty much every, every South American country and almost every European country, you have that ingrained in the, the culture is kids going out and playing soccer not because their parents tell them to but because their friends or friends of friends go out there and they're just kicking a ball around and then you have kids that go out and play for the first time with their friends they come back to their parents and they say hey i just you know played soccer with all my buddies you know can i get involved in a team now like maybe this is something it's got to, if it comes from the kid and them wanting to be involved, I think in organized soccer, because they've started in just pickup in street in the streets and just gain like building relationships. I think that is genuine. And I think that can carry and increase yeah. participation longer term than a parent putting their kid into a youth sport just in general, maybe not, you know, not just soccer and, and telling them to go play. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's so important. And so if, if you would have a solution to increase the percentage of six to 12 year olds playing soccer in the United States, <laughs> we, we, we basically nearly lost 14% according to the sport and fitness industry association. Yeah. Should we be alarmed by that, or should we say, oh, maybe maybe on the positive side of things, you could say, oh, maybe these parents realize, I don't want my kids to be burned out. I want them just to go play in the field. Is that the case, <laughs> or what is the case here? I feel like maybe it's it's the kids, you know, just not wanting to play because they're burned out, or the parents realize, okay, I don't want you to get burned out, so don't play soccer at a club level. I think, I, I think, I, I think it's it's you can't pin it down on one thing. I think it's, uh, um, I think it's a lot of, uh, you know, putting the pieces together and seeing the whole whole picture. And right. I think that, yeah, the I think at a certain age, you maybe have kids that they do go to their parents and they say, Hey, I don't think I want to keep playing because 
Um, you know, my other, I have other friends that maybe stop playing soccer because they're interested in something else. You know, maybe they're, they want to focus more on their school or they've got something outside of, of soccer that, you know, um, takes their interest when they get into that middle school to high school age. Um, so I think that can be part of it. And then, you know, kids that maybe realize, Hey, I'm, I'm not going to play soccer. Um, you know, in college. So maybe I should, you know, focus more on my studies or maybe I should join a, a club or something in the, yeah. in the school environment just so they can maybe, um, be involved in, and, uh, have that to carry them forward into their college. So yeah, so it's, it's, a, it's a factor <laughs> of many different things. Yeah, <laughs> I I wish I I wish we could I wish we could conjure up the solution right here right now. Um, <laughs> because I think we, yeah, I think we have it though. Alex. It'd be something. I yeah. think, in my own personal opinion, in my own personal opinion, <laughs> I think you need to, I guess you could say, put the soccer goals in the communities. Let the yeah. kids play. Just have fun, and yeah. eventually, hey, if this kid realizes, ooh, I think I have a talent for this game, then go sign up for soccer. Yeah. Then go I, get I think, your proper training. Yeah. Uh, but don't bring your kids out if they don't want to play. Uh, and then <laughs> yeah. at the same time, uh, it's very interesting. I want to bring this up just one last time before we wrap things up. The interest of the game is still on the rise. Definitely. So, so the participation has gone down, but at the same time, According to Forbes, and there's this article written in January of this year, 2018, it's saying, let me just read you this real quick, okay? It says, a Gallup poll released last week found that 7% of Americans named soccer as their favorite sport to watch. Uh, while that may not sound like much, 7% doesn't sound that much, right? But the figure represents a significant three percentage point gain from just four years ago. So, you know, four years ago was 2014. You, you advanced to four years to now, 2018, you've increased by three percentage points. Yep. Of Americans saying, I prefer soccer as my favorite sport to watch. That's mm -hmm. kind of crazy. You know, that's a big percentage. And, and football, football was at 37%. It's down, it was, no, I mean, it's at 37%. And it was down from 39%. Mm -hmm. Basketball was at a, was down, you know, basketball is at 11, 11% and it's down from 12. So they lost 1%. Baseball is at 9% down from 13. So that was a big drop. And hockey actually went up. Uh, it was up from, it was at 3% and went up to 4%. Mm -hmm. So anyway, I, I just think there's still a, there's still a, I think, positive outlook to this. Of Americans are actually still enjoying the game. They like to watch it. They prefer to watch it. And I think this is kind of just a little dip that's just kind of natural where kids may be, may be getting burned out this year or the last four years. But maybe I think once you see the World Cup here in the U.S. coming, I think you'll see that that number increase as far as participation goes. Would you yeah, agree? I, I would definitely agree. Um, I think that in terms of the viewership, I think that NBC and their coverage of the Premier League 
has has been um, monumental for soccer viewership and just people being able to turn on their TVs on Saturday and Sunday mornings and immediately um, be watching a game and seeing these these top level players and also having fantastic commentary and a studio team that is knowledgeable and that makes the game very accessible but doesn't dumb the game down to where um you know it's um it, it can be a bit of a drag um i think that nbc has done a fantastic job and yeah. and then with the champions league continuing to just grow in viewership over the years and you know more and more top players um around the world gain followers on social media and they continue to come over to to watch um every week i think will only help with the viewership um i think that in the next eight years um the viewership should probably continue to rise i mean it's 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 the world's game for a reason and i think that it's i mean the more kids play the more they're going to want to watch the more they're going to the kids watch the parents watch the game so if participation goes up you know you can definitely see that rise in viewership and i mean and then reversely the more viewership happens you're gonna have kids that want to go out and and play the game more because they're seeing their favorite players watch Mm -hmm. or seeing their favorite players um on tv so i think between now 2018 and 2026 when the world cup comes to north america um my hope is that there's soccer courts and pitches and goalposts everywhere across america in every little uh corner so that it's accessible and that the viewership and Please. and cup co- and can and the and the coverage continues to um you know pull people in and uh, it's it's I, i'm i'm always looking on you know on the positive side because you I, need to you need to stay yeah positive. because yeah exactly because i mean i've got nothing but love for the game of soccer and and uh yeah. I, I want i want it to just skyrocket in in the states (laughs) that's right alex and i hope it does and thank you once again for just being on the show being interviewed by myself i really do appreciate (laughs) you taking the time but before you go one last question for you one answer one word answer yes or no the united states men's national team will win the 2026 world cup yes or no Oh, I have to answer that now. Oh, oh boy. One reason um, why. One reason why. Um, I have to say, oh, I can't predict eight years from now. Oh, I mean, if I had to say, uh, to be honest, no. Where would they finish? <laughs> where would you have to finish? Oh, if I had them, where would I have them finish? If oh man, eight years from now. Um, quarterfinals. I like that. Hey, I, <laughs> I take a quarterfinals over a non-qualified team. But wouldn't you? Uh, yeah, any day. <laughs> well, 
Only the direction is up from here. So yeah, so, right. Like said, you know, it's got to stay positive. America, don't worry. I think we're going to be getting better and better every single year. <laughs> as long as we get those parks and recs to agree to put goalposts in their parks. That is, I think it's a big step for America's direction toward winning a World Cup. Is that right there? So, Alex, thank you again, once again, for being on my show, the T-Wood Show, and being interviewed by, my, by myself. Uh, you did great. Thank you so much, and I hope you have a great night, man. Well, thanks, man. Thank you so much for having me, and uh, I look forward to talking to you soon. I appreciate it. All right, see you at uh, the next CFC game. <laughs> yeah, take it easy. All right, peace.